So guys, here we are, another DSC podcast. I got a great guest here. I'm going to throw him a bone. Uh, he does a lot of work for the Maple Leafs Foundation, MLSE. And uh, I'd like to toss up a $100 bill, Mike, if you're willing to throw out a, an intro to our podcast here tonight. Absolutely happy to do it. So if you're ready to deke, snipe, and selly, it's the eighth episode of season three with Ryan and Patty, assisted by the Delaney Hockey Program. Welcome to uh, Season 3, Episode 8 of the DSC Podcast. Um, I'm your host tonight, Ryan Gates, with my counterpart, Patty Phillips, and we're joined by uh, the one the only, Mike Ross, PA announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you very much. Very, uh, very happy to be here. Mike, we got to dress something right out of the gate, man. You're dressed incredibly well. <laughs> First t-shirt that uh, came, it was right at the top of the drawer, right at the top of the rotation. And uh, it's the uh, Kitty Vitty Brewery uh, t-shirt and one of my favorite places in the world. Um, their iceberg beer is, God, it's one of my favorites ever. And um, yeah. I've got a great picture of uh, Kitty Vitty um, right above the mantle in my living room. Like huge photo that uh, we took on uh, a trip that my wife and I did for our 20th wedding anniversary where we basically toured a whole bunch of uh, Newfoundland for two weeks and uh, loved it. I had been, I think, three times in the previous year on work. And I told my wife, I said, you got to come out here. Like, it's just amazing. Like, I've fallen in love with the place. And so she jumped at it. We do a kind of a bigger trip every five years. And uh, so we made uh, we made our 20th anniversary a trip to Newfoundland. And we uh, we headed out and rented a car and just uh, drove everywhere we went, and uh, she fell in love with it too. So, um, yep. yeah, it was uh, it, it's not contrived. I'm not looking to score any brownie points, but uh, if anybody, <laughs> we are stop if, talking, if, if, Mike. Just if, stop talking. We are. We will accept whatever we can get. So, if you're well, I can't this. get iceberg beer in Ontario. So, if they want to ship some this way, uh, well, I would listen, welcome that too. Now you got people. Now you got people. Yeah, right? You yeah. got people on the inside. Now we can we can we can hook you up, and we will. There you go. That's, that's how we roll on the island. You've been here enough that you know how we roll, and uh, you'll be taken care of when you're here or away. Um, so again, Mike, thanks for taking the time, man. Uh, My pleasure. It's uh, you know we we love we love 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 having interesting takes on the game. You know, just just interesting experiences in and around everything from from people who work the hot dog stands running right up to you guys up in the up in the broadcast booths and, and whatnot. We love getting reporters takes. I mean, we had, like we mentioned earlier, we've had Joe Bowen on getting the the play by play take. I mean, we've been doing that for thirty years, right? He's uh, he's been he's been calling lease games since all of us were in friggin' diapers, basically. It's uh, it's amazing, and uh, and getting your guys' take on 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 life in and around the arena, I think is is. To me, I find it more interesting than talking to the players. We've had players as well, and uh, players tend to like to talk about themselves a lot, and I don't really, <laughs> really <laughs> dig that as much. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I want to start off the the podcast, I guess, 
uh, getting a little more information on you because, like I said, I mean, uh, Wikipedia being what it is, not always the most accurate. So I want to get your upbringing, where you're from, and how you find yourself into the broadcasting business. So I'm uh, originally from Ottawa um, and uh, grew up right uh, right in, in, in sort of the downtown area of, of uh, Ottawa, right in the shadows of Parliament Hill. And uh, I grew up next door to my grandparents. That's pretty much where I got my love of sports. My grandfather was a huge, huge sports fan, a hockey player, a, a baseball player, a big Maple Leafs fan. And, and, and that's where, you know, and, and football fan too. Yeah. Um, so, so that's where I got my love of sports uh, from him and, um, you know, had a, I guess a, a pretty, pretty regular, uh, you know, go of it um, till I got to university. And that's where I discovered radio. I was going, I went to university um, at Carleton university to be a teacher. I was going to study psychology. I was going to go and get a teaching certificate. Be a, I wanted to be a phys ed teacher um, or a history teacher. And I guess halfway through my first year, uh, I'd always kind of been curious about radio and kind of, like the history of radio and listening to old radio shows and stuff like that. And that's when I discovered that there was actually a campus radio station that uh, you could actually listen to anywhere in the city. And I was like, wait a minute, you, like I can go in here and volunteer and, and actually be around an actual working radio station. And they said, well, yeah, absolutely. What do you like to, what do you like? I said, well, I, I like sports. They said, well, we've got a sports show on Mondays show up. So I did, and I started just helping with the show, and eventually, you know, like anything else, you know, the people who were running it graduated out, and I end up taking over the show and hosting it, and suddenly I'm covering junior hockey, I'm covering NHL hockey, the CFL, professional baseball, I'm getting into the games, I mean... I'm I'm in my early 20s and I'm covering professional sports that you know not getting paid but who cares when you're 20 years old and you're getting to go to an arena or a stadium every other night and I do that in my 40s right like. well yeah and I like <laughs> everybody who says they do it for free well I did it for free and loved it and made a lot of great contacts there and and that's when I kind of discovered that hey wait a minute you can you can work in radio like it's a job you can make a living doing it and that's that's pretty much where it came from and my third year university was my last because i got offered a full-time radio job and uh, i went into into radio i was a disc jockey i worked in promotions for uh, a few years and then they flipped to an all sports format and that was it i mean i've worked in sports broadcasting in one way shape or form ever since that flip of formats back in 1998 uh, in Ottawa. And then, yeah, I moved to Toronto in 2001 and just kept doing it, working in radio, working in TV at Sportsnet for three years. And then I landed with NHL Radio at uh, Sirius XM. I was there for a decade. And um, so my, my entire broadcasting career really has been at one point or another all about sports until recently when I started working with AMI, which is Accessible Media Inc. They're a company that uh, produces and broadcasts programming for
for blind and partially sighted Canadians. And they deal with a lot of uh, accessibility issues, disability issues. So I've been working with them since 2015. That's really the first non-sports broadcasting job I've ever done, but so fulfilling and just an amazing place to work with just great people. Um, but we've dabbled in sports too, dabbled in some parasports. I just covered the uh, the Durham Region Ontario Parasports Games last weekend, uh, which was a lot of fun. So, so yeah, I mean, I was going to be a teacher and didn't happen. I mean, I ended up as a substitute teacher and have been for many, many years uh, in the school board that my wife is a principal in. So I guess eventually I got there, but uh, a lot of rights and lefts along the way covering sports. You're in a much cooler job now, Mike. I think we can all agree. <laughs> like, I, you know what? I can't say I wanted to be a PA announcer as a kid, but I definitely wanted to be the play-by-play guy for the Leafs and playing NHL hockey on the Sega Genesis and putting a mute button on and doing the play-by-play. And uh, I, I think you're in a role that's the dream of a lot of folks right now. Um, uh, good on you. And, and I'm glad to hear, Mike, too, that uh, that it wasn't all about the money in the early days because when you get your check from this podcast, you're, it should be right in line with what you were making right <laughs> off the bat. You know what, though? It, it's so important, I think, that, that, that we get that message out there um, to a lot of young people who often ask, you know, how did you get your break and how do I get my break? And the number one thing I always say is when it comes to media, especially in Canada, um, never like a really good friend of mine, Mick Kern from NHL radio at Sirius XM. He and I have worked together at numerous places. And Mick said to us once, your default answer has to be yes. Just say yes. Just do it. Yeah. Because you may not get dollars and cents, but you're going to get experience. And that's worth something. It really is. And I think to the early days when I was just getting my feet wet and doing play-by-play on community uh, Rogers Community 22 in Ottawa on TV and, and doing play-by-play of, of, of football and baseball and junior hockey, um, you know, and not getting a dime for it. But the experience that I got from that, that prepared me for everything else I've ever done. And, um, you know, it, 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 gets you, it gets you set. It really does. It's an education. And you don't have to pay for it except with your time. So it's it's a message I like to get out to a lot of young people uh, who are often curious about how to get into the business. And I think a lot of times it's just about don't say no. Take every opportunity you can get. Yeah. So, but as a kid, would you have ever dreamt that you'd be in the role that you're in now? I don't want to fast forward too much because uh, the no, early parts of your career are very interesting. But um, was that ever an aspiration to to be a PA announcer or some kind of broadcasting business in the NHL? Like, were you a huge hockey fan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Saturday nights for me um, were, I was at my grandparents' place and I always get to watch the first period of the Leafs game with my mm-hmm. grandfather. And um, then if uh, if I wanted to stay for the second period, I would I would ask, and he'd say, yeah, call your mom and tell you, tell her I'm staying, that you're staying for the second. If I wanted to stay for the third, then he would place the call and let her know that, that Michael's staying for the third period. Cause if I made that call, like the, I'd be overruled and that'd be the end of that. She couldn't say no to him. So, um, 
so Saturday nights was hockey. I mean, my first net, my first goalie stick, uh, it, it all came from him. And he, uh, they, they had this long, long covered laneway next to their house. Um, and when I say long, I'm thinking it, it had to be, I don't know, like 50 meters long or something. And it wasn't really wide, but it was wide enough that you could put a hockey net at the back of it and you'd have really good breakaways. So he'd grab the stick and the baseball glove and and he'd be my goalie and then we'd we'd switch and they had this old bird bath in the backyard that we used as our it was our Stanley Cup. So yeah, hockey was big. Um that and sounds- we had we had the outdoor rink just down the street. But I think if you talk to a lot of people, a lot of the grown-ups um that were around me as a kid, they're not surprised that I ended up doing what I'm doing just because they they said when it came to sports, I was always talking about sports. Yeah. And I I do the play by play, I do it outside when I was playing. Um, and so they're they're not at all shocked. But as far as being a PA announcer, I don't think that was ever really on my radar, even though I knew of some of the big names, right? Like I knew Paul Morris. He's yeah. part of the soundtrack of my childhood as a Leafs yeah. fan. Uh, Claude Mouton, Montreal with the Expos, with the Canadians, uh, Bob Shepard with the Yankees. These were all voices that I knew. Even going to junior hockey games, Gord Breen in Ottawa was the voice of the Ottawa 67s. And then uh, when we got to AAA baseball in Ottawa, he was the voice of AAA baseball. So even that voice was a soundtrack of my youth growing up. Uh, and and so when I did get into doing some PA work, um, like it was pretty amazing to me that I started in Ottawa with my university football team. And the next thing you know, I'm I'm auditioning and I get the job with the Ottawa 67s in the OHL. And I replaced Gord Breen. Now, this is a guy who, like, he was the man. Like, he was the voice for junior hockey, I mean, probably 20, 20, 30 years before I took over for him. So, I mean, I, I had big shoes to fill there. Um, and then, of course, when when I moved to uh, to Toronto, there, there were no jobs. So, you know, I, I kind of turned the page on being a PA guy. And I mean, I had a great time in Ottawa. I did it for three seasons. And in three seasons, we got one OHL championship and a Memorial cup. So, I mean, two, two out of three ain't bad. And um, suddenly I'm, I'm here in Toronto for nine years and I don't do any type of announcing at all. And it's, it's not like I really missed doing it. And I think it's one of those things that you, until you do it again, um, you don't really miss it. But then the the Senators came calling in 2010 because the guy who hired me in junior hockey was now running the show for the Senators, and they needed a replacement guy for uh, to fill in for their regular announcer. So I ended up doing a few games for him over the next few years, sort of just keeping my 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 feet wet, you know, keeping the chops going a little bit, and. Um, and in 2014, then it then then I really got my sort of big break with MLSE with the World Juniors. And that sort of started me down the path once again of doing it on a regular basis and then eventually landing the, the Leafs job. So let's talk about that. I mean, 
that's obviously why we reached out to you. The history is great, and I love hearing the stories of how you get to where you're getting. But I mean, uh, we're avid Leafs fans, and and Mike, I got to tell you, I, I'm averse to change, right? I don't I don't handle change well. So coming into the 2016-2017 season, I'm like, okay, the team is upside down. Oh, we got a new anthem singer. Oh my god, they changed the PA guy. We got a new goal song. Oh, there's a bunch of rookies. I'm not going to like any of this, and uh, and it all turned out to be golden. I, I I just, it's it's become the foundation of 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 me as a Leafs fan. I mean, I've been watching Leafs since I was a baby, since I could crawl. I was sitting down in front of you know listening to Bob Cole calling the games on Saturday night, like yourself, right? Right on up through the years, the Sundin era, the era, the the Phil Kessel era, all those troublesome times as, as a Leafs fan and uh and now here we are one of the best teams in the league and and it's all the rest of it while i can remember it i've 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 pleasantly forgotten it because this is this is the time that i'll always remember as, as being a Leafs fan whether they win or lose it, it, at this point and you know when i'm talking about the big prize it's it's irrelevant to me because this is the era that i'll always associate with the toronto maple Leafs. i'm pretty sure i can't imagine it ever getting better than it is currently when it comes to the quality of hockey it's just it's just at an all-time peak for me. So uh, so while I was thinking, who's this schmuck going to take over the microphone and call out these goals, you turned out to be pretty good, man. I mean, I, I got to say, we're, we're, we're enjoying and we're glad you could you could join us on the show. Well, you know what? I, you're, I, you're I, not I, alone, by the way, <laughs> Ryan, okay? You are not alone. Um, I often uh, have told people that, you know, I, I've always been very active in social media, and this goes back to my time at NHL radio there for a decade doing a morning show and doing an afternoon drive show. Um, the fact that you're on North America wide, there's always somebody out there who knows more than you and doesn't mind pointing it out to you. And uh, so I always believe that if I hadn't been super active on social media for all those years and developed a bit of a thick skin, uh, I never would have survived my first season uh, with the Maple Leafs because it it got pretty brutal uh, with some of the comments out there. And honestly, I think like 99% of, of the people who were upset, it was exactly what you just said. It's just, yeah. I don't like change, right? And yeah. hey, I grew up with Paul Morris. All of a sudden, Andy Frost is the new announcer for the Maple Leafs. It takes some adjusting. There's no doubt. Nobody likes change. Like it's just the way most of us are wired. Um, but there was a lot of change all at once. And and I remember, you know, meeting Martina, the anthem singer at the uh, at the time, and meeting Danielle and Scott, our arena hosts. They were new. We had a new DJ. Our game presentation manager was it was her first season in that position. So there was a whole bunch of of brand new, but the product on the ice was a whole lot of brand new as well. And and I think there was just um a feeling of sort of turning the page. It's a new era. It's the 100th season. And if you remember that that um that logo that they had with the with the 100 but then they yep. inverted it and it became 001 sort of like a new beginning um i think that's that's what it sort of became for us as well we we were all part of a of a bit of a reset and uh so yeah i mean the 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 first first 4 to 5 months were i were tough sledding as far as just convincing people to give me a chance 
and and let me grow into the role too, right? Like people thinking that I was going to have an iconic style of a Paul Morris or an Andy Frost in week three of doing the job. Um, you know, you, you grow into it no matter how big the stage, right? Yeah. You, you get, you, you develop your own style. And um, I mean, you want a good laugh, go back and, and find some goal calls from that first season or some of the roster intros from that first season and compare them to now. I mean, even I like, cringe a little bit at listening to myself from six seasons ago because I was I was new and and trying to make my my first impression as as well as I could so um nervous uh, nervous times back then for sure well you know Mike I got I gotta go back because your first home game well all yeah. your games are home games but <laughs> your first game in 2016 I was at that home opener when Mitchie scored his uh his first goal. Uh, two nights after Matthew scored the four goals in Ottawa, so that it, that was your first game, correct? That was my my first game in Toronto. Um, yeah. They uh, they decided to uh, to take us on the road to uh, to introduce us to uh, to the fans in a way. So, okay. um, so so Martina and and Scott and Danielle and I were all in uh, in Halifax for a training camp that year. Right. So my very first Maple Leafs game ever was a preseason game against Ottawa, um, which, I mean, was kind of apropos given that I grew up in Ottawa. The first NHL games I ever did were for Ottawa. So it was kind of neat to just have a lot of friends there. Um, and and it, it also special to to do it um, out uh, out east where, you know, there's just such a love of the Leafs in in. Uh, every part of this country, but uh, I love, I love the passion that's out East as well. So that was kind of a neat start, but yeah, that first home opener, oh, I've got a freaking. frame. I've got a framed photo in my basement um, of the opening face off from that game. And there's a little piece of the net in the, in the corner of, uh, of the frame. Um, what blows my mind about that night was the pregame ceremony where we retired all the previously honored numbers. I was there and for that. Having to keep that under my hat for like two weeks and having the script for it and just rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing, knowing full well that my first night, I'm going to be talking for 30 straight minutes and I'm going to be part of a huge moment in the history of this franchise. You know, a team that's only previously retired two numbers and now we're going to take all these honored numbers and we're going to retire them i mean wow like you talk about you know welcome to the nhl moments i mean for me that that there was no time to be nervous right it was just here's 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 the job tonight. Right to go, the go do it yeah right into the fire yeah but you know what like even as a fan i've seen a lot of games and mostly like myself, and my dad have been 15 straight years of seeing games, mostly home openers. That particular one had to be had to be one of the best ones I've ever seen. I even went to bought the the uh, replica tickets from that season, hundred season, and all that stuff. Um, but to me, actually, we met Johnny Bauer and Daryl Sittler before the game. I've got a friend that works for the Leafs, so um, that was quite a remarkable night. And for Mitchie to get his first goal, there were so many good things happening that night. Uh, it was just amazing. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible for me to to think back um you know the fact that 
when I did that game in Halifax, um, the off-ice officials gave me a puck uh, yeah. from, my, from my first game. And uh, here I am, you know, talking to you guys here on a Thursday. And I'm two days away from my 300th game already. Wow. Like, it just, it, it blows Congratulations, my mind. Man. Th- Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It, it's just amazing how time flies. Um, and it, it's just been, as you said, Ryan, I mean, it's just, they've been such great years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a great time to be a Leaf fan. Um, and um, I think the the really cool thing about how I've sort of evolved into the job and the thing that that I really take away from it is the interaction that I get to have with the fans and especially the kids, right? The younger fans um, who, as a friend of mine once told me when I first started this job and he, you know, he knew uh, about some of the criticism I was taking. And and he, he, he said, listen, he said, water off a duck's back. Don't worry about it. He said, all you got to understand is one day, there are kids who are cheering for this team now who are going to automatically associate your voice with the hockey of their youth. Yeah. And I think at the time I kind of thought, you know, uh, he's, he's my friend. He's, he's trying to trying to take care of me and, and make me feel yeah. better. Um, but I about halfway through my second season, uh, we had a tour come through the booth. We we do these pregame tours. Um, and so it was a father and son. The kid might have been six years old. So we're showing them the booth. Jimmy Holmstrom, our organist, is there. He's he's showing the kid to play, how to play the keyboard. And then I bring the kid into my booth, and I sit him in the chair. I get dad's camera. I get the really great shot with the you know from above with the ice in the background and and, and they're leaving and and dad comes back and said, Hey, thanks a lot. He said, you know, above and beyond, that was just amazing, really cool experience. And he says, uh, he says, by the way, when he plays ball hockey outside with his buddies, he does you. And I said, that's amazing. What do you mean? You, he does, what do you mean? What do you, he does me? He said, when they score goals, they announce the goals and say the players names as if it was you. So they do it in your style. And I mean, the hair on my arms stood up and Mm -hmm. like, that was really, that was unbelievable. And I think that was one of the times where early on you really got a sense of what this team means to its fan base. And it was like, like even now into my seventh season of doing this job, there are still days where, you know, I have to pinch myself. I like, it's still hard to believe that I get to do this. And I have these interactions with fans. Just last night, I was at a local rink, a friend of mine, his kid was playing. I introduced his kids. I did a recording of his kids, the team's roster at the start of the year. And he asked me to come out to a game and meet the kids after the game. So I walk into this dressing room, a bunch of 11 year olds, and they're all just like, Whoa, this is, you're the Leafs guy. Oh my. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's just me. It's, it's no big deal. I just live down the street, yeah. it's, it's no big, <laughs> but, but everything. And you talked about it earlier, Ryan, about doesn't matter if it's an usher, if it's a program seller, everything that is the Maple Leafs 
is just a notch up on everything else because yeah. it's the Maple Leafs. Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head too, because the fan interaction is, 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 again, it's what we always like to capture on the podcast is, is, you know, those stories, just like when you're told there, but, but a little boy and, and his dad and calling, calling the games like you in the street, that to me is, is the stuff that, that that's what makes people true fans. Like, I mean, we get to read all this crap on the internet and all these hot takes about first round exits and all this cram that, that the media driven stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the real fans don't really care to be honest, because the real fans remember when we didn't even make the playoffs yeah. for a lot of years, right? All these different stories. So like the real true fan interactions that, that, that you guys get to have on the daily too. Like it's, it's, it really must be, uh, even on your, even on your worst days when you're, you know, we all have bad days when we're down to dumps or, you know, something, you know, the wife snapped at you the wrong way, or she, she, she didn't get your coffee ready in time or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, you know, you get to, you get to go to work and have those interactions with kids and, and enjoy yourself on the job, man. I, I, there's not a lot of people, uh, can, can I say that on a regular basis? And, the, and I'm a fan too, right? I mean, I grew up watching them. And so a lot of times the, 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 events that I get involved with, with the alumni are sometimes, you know, even more exciting for me because these are the guys that I grew up with. Right. Like Doug Gilmore walks into our booth. He knows who I am. Like, are you kidding me? Doug Gilmore knows my name. Um, I bumped into Cujo. We, my wife and I were in Phoenix for Christmas and bumped into Curtis Joseph at the Leafs coyotes game. He knew who I was. I mean, that's, that's mind blowing for a guy like me, but tell you a story. The, one of the first alumni events I did, I was introducing the guys and I think there was like five or six guys that I had to introduce. And so there was a little blurb on, on, on their career and their hometown and then introduce them. And I got to Dan Dau and growing up, I love Dan Dau. He was not a superstar. Um, Dan would probably even tell you he wasn't a star. But for me, he was just a hard-nosed, gritty guy that I i don't know, something about him. And, and I think generally speaking, whether it be baseball or hockey, I've, I've often cheered for, for those types of guys. Okay. So I'm introducing Dan. And so I read this statistical blurb on him. And then I said, and... One of my favorites growing up, and he's standing right next to me, and he just turns and he goes, really? <laughs> I said, yeah, man. And and it was so cool to be able to tell him, you know, afterwards, like, you were surprised there. And I think like, you, you shouldn't be, man. I said, you know, that it's really cool for me to be to be in this situation. And I talked about being in Halifax there for that first training camp. I was on a um, on a bus when we were coming back from uh, from Halifax to Toronto. And so I was on the flight with a bunch of the alumni guys. So I'm on a bus at like six in the morning and here comes, you know, Rick Vive, Daryl Sittler, Clark, Gilmore, Cobberley. Uh, like it was just like for me. And that was, of course, it's like my first year. So I'm just like, whoa. This is just unbelievable, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm a fan too. Yeah, so yeah, I get I got this really great job that I really love to do, but 
I'm a fan like everybody else. And that's something that, that I, I hope I never lose that even, you know, within this job. I hope that always sticks with me because I think it's important. Well, I think that's what, that's what keeps you in the job, right? I mean, well, if, if, if you weren't a fan of that team or of that sport at the very least, why would you even want to go to work? I mean, it, it would just be a nuisance. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was no way to, I mean, I shouldn't say there's no way to enjoy the job. If you weren't a fan, if you were just uh, Joe blow off the street and you, and you had, you had a voice for radio or whatever it was, but man, it would be a bit of a, because, because like you said earlier, the public scrutiny, all those things that come along with it, that would be tough to digest. If you, well, didn't, it, if you it, couldn't it, take it, positives, it'd be, it'd be a job. That's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, it would be, be a job. job right. And, Cause I, I do know of some people who have taken those jobs and they're very good at it, but they're not fans mm-hmm. uh, of the, of that team. And, you know, I'm not, I, I don't think it affects their, their professionalism it doesn't affect their performance, but I think, I think being a fan, um, I think it just does give you a bit of a leg up and, yeah, yeah, and, and, and makes it so that it's, it really is a labor of love. It is not a job. And I, you hear that all the time, right? Um, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And like, I'm, I'm the embodiment of that because I've loved every place I've ever had employment. So uh, I've been really, really lucky. That's like Patty. Patty works at a bank and he loves spending money. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't worked. Yeah, a day in the Leafs. I've got a lot. I, I should have shares in the Leafs at this point, but uh, as do many fans. Uh, but Mike, talking about the excitement in, in your role, um, I always wonder, and I think, Ron, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Joe Bowen talked about it when when he's calling a goal for a team, uh, a player from the from the Leafs, versus calling a goal for someone from a visiting team. Yeah, he's always got to be aware that that goal from the visiting team could be the first NHL goal or the last goal sure. or a very special goal for that player, and that's kind of what that player is going to hear for years is his his call of that particular play, like. Like, what's your thoughts? Like, does your excitement? I know your excitement level is greater for, call for announcing a Leafs goal. Um, but what's your take on the on the visiting teams when they score? Um, I think I that's another part of of my delivery that's evolved. I think when I when I first started with the Leafs, um, I tended to be a little bit more morose when I was announcing visitor uh, goals. And, 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 and I think just a little too, you know, <laughs> unenthusiastic. Yeah. I hear you. And, and, and I'd I just, be the same, <laughs> but, but by the same token, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give them this, the visiting team, the same oomph that I'm going to always give the Leafs. Yeah. But I do, as you, as you point out, I do want to give the player their due. Um, I think for me in, in the job of a PA announcer, the most important thing I can do is get the name right. And that's why the pronunciation of, of a guy's name is, is just critical to the job. And I never, ever want to take that for granted. Uh, I never want to be stuck guessing. So I'm always going to, to dig as deep as I have to, to get the proper pronunciation of a guy's name, because when you announce it, you know, in, in a stadium full of people, 
who's to say that that kid scoring his first goal in the NHL, who's to say that that's not going to be his only goal. And he's got all his family there. His parents are there watching him play his first NHL game. And he scores a goal. And that may be the only NHL goal that guy ever scores. So I, I, I'm unapologetic in that I'm not going to do cartwheels for them, but I also am not going to treat it the way I did the first year where I felt I I was a little too unenthusiastic about it. So, so what we call it around the league, because we're, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of the guys around the league. Um, we call them disinterested reads. So, yeah, you know what? It's I'm not going to give you I'm not going to give you the oomph, but uh, somebody actually picked up on this a couple of weeks ago. They came to me and said, "You know, I always noticed the goals for the Leafs were like really, you know, high high volume and enthusiasm and not so much for the visiting team." But he said, "Tonight, I noticed for the first time you could do that for the penalties, but in reverse." I said, yeah. I said, wow, it only took you six years to figure it out. Way to go. Way to pay attention. That's why nobody pays attention to the penalty announcements, right? Then I'll listen in for the goals. But it's the same thing. I will put a little bit more into a visitor's penalty than uh, certainly a Leafs penalty. But um, I think Joe uh, Bowen is is bang on. Um, you, You just... You don't want the lasting memory for anybody to be uh, to be a sour one, you know. I, I got to correct I, I Patty to... because Patty always says, "Correct me if I'm wrong," and I love correcting him when he's wrong. It wasn't Joe Bowen. You know it who it was? Joe? No, it was Todd Crocker. Oh, it was Cro- Yes, it was. Oh, Crocker. okay. You were correct. Yeah, yeah Todd yeah, Crocker, yeah, a friend of the show, another good yep. go- good guy. Uh, again, kicked around the island a lot in his formidable years when he was coming up through the ranks in broadcasting, doing AHL games on on the road. And uh, a lot of fond memories of the island as well. But yeah, no, that was a, that was a tidbit that he, he talked about, but you know, mailing it in. Like if you're going to make, and we've all heard it. I've been at, at arenas, pro arenas, and you, you hear an announcer and, and mail it in on for the other team. You're like, yeah, okay, I get it. But it'd be nice if I could understand what you were saying too. Yeah. That was first, you know, Don Cherry-esque on the Russian names. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was one of the greatest compliments I ever got was my first world juniors in 2014. Uh, the PR person for uh, Team Switzerland came to find me after the tournament. And uh, and he just said, you know, he said, really appreciate you coming down here every game and just going through the names with me and making sure that you got the pronunciation right. I got the same sort of comment from the Russians. Um, because to me, like that, that's the most important part of the job is, is getting it right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the last thing I want is for that, that fan coming to a game and hearing a name get butchered and that be what they remember from that game or for that player, his family's there and that name get butchered for, uh, for, yeah. for that family. So, Good on so yeah, you, man. it's very important. I've got a question then it's kind of related to what we we're just talking about, but in the other way. So yeah, it's one thing to temper your, you know, okay. Yeah. With, uh, with your first goal of the season is such and such from Tampa Bay on the other end of it when we're you know two minutes left in the third period we're down by a goal and they they pokes one in with the goalie pulled and you know we're at home going cartwheels right and you're a fan up in the booth do you have to take that moment to kind of collect yourself because you are watching the game still you know absolutely and the great thing is i'm in a soundproof booth 
So <laughs> nobody hears me except for the banging on the wall. Um, I think the the so, so this this room that I'm in is something that they that they bought and and put in in 2016. It's called a whisper room, and it's it's uh, four walls. I got a window out the front that looks out onto the onto the rink, and um. People who step into it on these tours and stuff, I always say, you know, in real estate, they call this cozy because there's room for maybe one and a half knees in there. That's it. Like, it's really quite small. Um, But the great thing about it is it allows me to be on the mic, do the announcing, and not have the arena sound system bouncing back at me. When I did that first World Juniors, this, this room didn't exist. So I had these giant speakers right across from me and everything I said would bounce back at me a second and a half later, which was like super distracting. Um, So they fixed that. But if you look, I'm sure at that wall to my left in the booth, there's gotta be hand imprints like in the wall from the number of times that I've slapped it, uh, you know, in celebration, slapped it out of frustration uh you know against officials um so yeah it's it's very emotional and you've got to be you got to be quick to rein it in and i think if i go back to my time in junior hockey um it was a way different time you didn't really have um game presentation departments you didn't have the a lot of the production that you have 20 you know 25 years later back then i almost got a penalty in junior hockey because of the the way i announced a penalty so i used to have a lot of fun announcing penalties against us that like you knew the crowd was was angry and they just wanted another reason to boo the officials <laughs> and so i used to announce a penalty and i'd say i'd do something like 67's penalty to number three, Dan Tessier. Two minutes for hooking? <laughs> Time of the penalty, 203. That's Tessier, two oh, that's for hooking. Wicked. And you know, for a while, I was getting away with it, and nobody was really picking up on it. But on this one night, the ref picked up on it, and he looked up, and like, like I could feel him lock in on me, and he skated over to the bench to Brian Kilray, winning his coaching junior hockey history. And I don't know if you've ever met Brian Kilray or if you've heard Kilray stories. Um, You don't want to cross Brian Kilray. And Killer just turned, looked over his right shoulder up at me in the booth. And, you know, message was clear. Don't do that again. And I was told after the game um, that, uh, that he, he was told that if I did it again, there was going to be a two minute penalty. So yeah, have to you got to rein in the fan when you're when you're doing the job um but certainly when when the mic's not on we're yeah. we're a hundred percent fans now we we also love to celebrate here the the, the boo-boos and the oomphs you ever mm-hmm. found yourself in a, in a situation where you just completely completely blow it <laughs> you don't need to throw yourself completely under the bus but is there a time to stick and you're like oh man i can't believe i botched it that bad or hot mic situation or something he's got a story coming oh, yeah. not a not a hot mic um but i can remember doing the starting lineup 
And I want to say, I want to say it was my first season, but it might have been the second. But anyway, I got, I just got the goalies mixed up. So I announced Curtis McElhinney's number, but but said Frederick Anderson or vice versa. I said thirty one and, and announced McElhinney. Um, but it's one of those where, like, the minute it comes out of your mouth, you go, ah. Um, so that one stands out. Never happened again. Knock on wood. Um, the other one that that stands out was when uh, Tyson Berry played for us. Uh, Tyson's from Victoria. His defense partner was Morgan Riley. Morgan's from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And um, numerically, when I would introduce them in the starting lineup, it was Morgan, then it was Tyson Berry. And so you introduce from and you say his hometown so from vancouver british columbia number 44 morgan riley and then i introduce tyson berry but i say from vancouver again instead of victoria and they're on the blue line and i can see tyson sort of turn to morgan and like like what the hell (laughs) and i like again as soon as you say it you realize it's like ah crap (laughs) Yeah, I hope I hope that doesn't stick. Right, yeah. so it was uh, it was a night later. We're back at it again. They're starting on defense again from Vancouver, British Columbia, number forty-four, Morgan Riley, and from Vancouver, British. Oh, shoot, I did it again. Mm. So back to back, and at that point, he just looked up towards the booth himself, like. Really? Come on, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. Mix-ups yeah. happen. Um, I mean, we're all, we're all human. And you yeah. feel horrible yeah, about it. Of course. It. You absolutely yeah, you just, feel. Because the last thing I want to do is be a distraction for a player. Of at, course. Especially at the start of a game like that. Like, they're focused. They're, they've got their routine. I do not want to be the cause of any of their troubles. Mm. So, so yeah, those those kinds of things sort of stand out as big uh, whoopsies. So have you had to have a call that you've despised to make? And I specifically thinking, like, go back to the, those overtime games against Montreal, two playoffs ago, um, where, I don't know, it was Caulfield or whatever bum that scored mm-hmm. that, that overtime goal. <laughs> you've got to make that call because I think I'm, if I'm in your role, that's the day I quit my job and say, I'm not making that call. I'm just not announcing that goal. Like, I think I think the 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 toughest ones, certainly in the playoffs are tough because it's it's emotional and and you know we're 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 so primed for playoff time. You're walking to the rink, it's beautiful outside and you know, springs in the air. It's it's just it, it's 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 a good time, it's a fun time. But I think honestly, um the number of times I've had to say a, a one combination or another of Bergeron, Marsha, Pasternak. Oh. It's probably oh. the three name combo that I've said more than any other opposition team that that we've played. They've there there are always guys who just have success against certain teams, mm-hmm. but we play Boston so much, being in the same division, and those guys 
are they're such good players. You can't argue with the stats. But I've got two little cousins that I'm very tight with, and they have uh, their mom and dad's last names, and their last names are Bergeron Marchand. Oh. So I immediately always <laughs> think of the two of them whenever I've, I I denounce those goals. But yeah, those those guys those are tough ones. Um, and honestly, the summer that I did the announcing in the bubble for the Eastern Conference playoffs, where I had to be the home announcer for Montreal, for Boston, uh, for right, right. you know Washington, Pittsburgh. Yeah, some of them. <clears throat> I'll be honest. Some of them were. It's kind of a neat experience, right? I mean, you you suddenly you're you're announcing for other original six teams and. Like I got to do some New York Rangers games. Um, I became a, a bit of a trivia question that summer. You know, like name name the one guy who's announced for you know teams X Y Z A B C D. Um, so so that was kind of neat. Um, but but suddenly having to be the home announcer for some of these teams, like being the home announcer for Boston, like ugh, oh, that's, gross. that's not fun. Um, but that's when I pick up the phone and talk to the PA guys from other teams and just, you know, they talk me through it, tell me some of the things that they do uh, for their team. And and that's where, you know, you're working for the NHL. You know, at that point, you're not working for the Maple Leafs, you're working for the NHL. And it's um, a job at that point. That's where the professionalism comes in and and you got to be a pro and 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 just deliver the um deliver the mail. And uh and so that was it was definitely a weird experience to suddenly be the home announcer for a whole bunch of other teams. So that leads me to my next question then, because big news a few days ago, uh, the all-star game is coming to Toronto next year. That's confirmed. Uh, are you going to get that, that gig or is that going to be something that's, that's kind of put out there to the league? How does that go? So the way, the way it goes now, um, the NHL has an official voice, an official uh, PA guy. His name's Al Murdoch. He's the yep. oh, yeah. uh, PA announcer for Vancouver. And so I believe, I think I'm the last home announcer to work one of those sort of signature events. When we did the Centennial Classic. Oh, okay, cool. Um, here at BMO Field, I got to do that game. And it was the following season where um, they started bringing in other announcers into other markets to add some kind of sort of, I guess, neutrality, if you will. And being that it was a league event, not wanting it to be necessarily a home market event, but this is a, this is a, a signature event for the league. And, and, and much the way uh, the NFL has Al, uh, Alan Roach, who does, uh, you know, he does the Super Bowls. He does the games in Europe. He does the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, he's, he is the voice of the NFL. Yeah. Al is the voice for the NHL. So um, so Al was doing those events. Then there, there was a little bit of um, sort of a reconsidering of, of that decision um, when I think it was Dallas had the All-Star game or it was, was it an outdoor game? I can't remember what the event was specifically, but... Um, since then, Al will do like the big announcements, the big roster intros and stuff on TV. Yeah. 
but everything in house is handled by the local PA guy. Yeah. Um, so you could have just said yes, Mike. That, that would have been fine. I, well, well, I can't say yes because I don't I know, know. I'm just right? kidding. I, yeah. I, I, that's I don't interesting, know. actually. I, and, I didn't realize I, that that was how it worked. Yeah. And so I know that um, in Florida, um, the Panthers announcer worked with Al. And, and I've gotten to know Al pretty well over the last uh, couple of years. And that's been the experience that I've seen now at multiple events that the home guy will get some duties assigned to him through the weekend and working with Al who handles the the, like the broadcast stuff. aspect. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't worry about it too much because you're going to get the Stanley cup gig this year. So uh, <laughs> Stanley cup finals gig. And um, I actually had a kind of a two parter um, one, like has there been a goal that you've called in your career thus far with the Leafs that just stands above all of them? I, I, I think in Matthew's season last year being, Phenomenal. I can't recall. I know the 50th, I think the 50th goal was a home goal. I, I can't yeah, recall if the almost. 60th was. Uh, but has there been a goal, whether it be just a regular overtime goal that's exciting or a, a historical goal? Um, has there been anything that's been, that comes to mind that's. Yeah. Um, they, they, they both sort of tie in with, with Austin. Um, 50, 60. Um, those were, those were special ones. What was really fun about that run was, um, also just announcing them like for road games. Like I'd just shoot a video at home and I'd put that up on social. Um, so just sort of playing, playing along at home, if you will. But his overtime goal in the uh, Centennial Classic was, uh, Mm. was pretty spectacular. Um, and, and, and just having, like that that whole day, like I I got home from from that day and said to my wife like, so today I got to introduce the the commissioner of the NHL Wayne Gretzky, uh, the Leafs and Red Wings, an Austin Matthews overtime winner, Brian Adams as part of the uh, the entertainment in in the intermission. I mean that that's that's a career, man. Like that's yeah. for 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 an announcer, what a day, right? Um, but that Matthews goal and just how that's that stadium exploded. We're in the booth, we got the window open, you feel the cold. It was just the culmination of that whole weekend. Um, it just felt like that that's how it was supposed to go. Well, that's yeah. that's kind of what sticks out to me too, not to cut in on your part too, Patty, but that's fine what sticks it to me from a PA announcer's perspective as a viewer at home is that the fans celebrate the goal when it goes in the net. That's great. But then they get to celebrate it the second time right yeah. after that goal is in Austin Matthews with his 60th goal. Of his, I can't even imagine. I guess Cole shivers thinking about you talking about it. You know so what I, mean? I, so- I videoed that. Like I, I never, uh, prior to last season, I never recorded myself announcing a goal in the booth. I know a lot of guys who, who I don't know, maybe they're just um, more multifaceted than I am and, and, and multi better multitaskers, but it never crossed my mind to put my phone on and hit record while I'm announcing a call. But I did it for the 50th and the 60th. And by far the most active tweets I've ever put on Twitter. Like they just exploded. Um, it was unreal. 
And and when I say I'm in a soundproof booth, you can still hear the crowd coming through awesome. on those recordings. Like it was just unreal. So yeah, that that is that is really um one of the one of the big highlights of the gig is is leading, if you will, that second reaction, that second celebration. Now, of course, it doesn't always happen that way. Like this year, I don't know if you guys remember, but we had a game where we scored. I'm in the middle of announcing it. We score again. I remember that one, yep. Yeah. So now I stop because there's no sense in just talking over it. So I start again. We score again. So now I'm three goals behind. <laughs> the uh, the the announcers the the, the, the yes. play by play guys actually Gordon, they're like they're Gordon, like poor Mike, poor Mike yeah. Ross <laughs> yeah well yeah. listen Gord Miller was poor Mike Ross Mike Johnson said come on buddy catch up <laughs> yeah. which was great which was so great. that's a good problem to have you know that is uh, a fine I will take that problem seven days a week and twice on Sunday no doubt about it um, but yeah you're absolutely right that that to to be able to be a part of that sort of second celebration on, uh, on goals. Um, you know, and, and when, when we win in overtime, then we, we integrate that into the three stars. So it's another chance to celebrate a guy who's had a big night score, the overtime winner. So those are uh, definitely special moments. So you may tell me to go pound sand on this one. Uh, Cause I don't, <laughs> I think you'd be lying to me if you, if you haven't thought about it. Uh, a lot of folks, when you're dreaming about the Leafs winning the cup, will talk about overtime winners in Game Seven. Well, I'm not going to make it that far because I'd go through too many bags of IV. It'd be too much stress. So I'm going to set the scene here. You're in Game Four. Leafs are up three games to nothing. It do go to <laughs> overtime because um, I want to sweep. I don't want no close games. Have you ever ta- thought about what that final goal would sound like? And feel free to share to understand if you wouldn't. Well, I lived um, it. I lived it. Um, when I was with the with the Ottawa 67s, my first year, we're in the Memorial Cup. And we won the Memorial Cup in overtime, seven to six. Um, and like that was 24 years ago this year. And it may as well have been yesterday. Yeah. Um, that was such a special time for me because it was my first year as an announcer in hockey. Mm. And, and so when, when you think of those guys who, who win, you know, a championship in their first year and, and, you know, as young guys, they think, Oh, that was great. Like, we're going to do this every year. And I, I, I guess I kind of had that same sort of mentality at the time was because the, the, the story behind is we got bounced in the playoffs and had to wait around for a month because we were the host team. So for a month, our guys were just going stir crazy, and we all wondered, how are we going to match up here against, um, we were playing Calgary, Belleville, and uh, Acadie Bathurst. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Belleville had our number during during the regular season, during the playoffs. So we thought, like, they're the, they're the favorites. Calgary was a big team back then, too. But... Uh, we end up beating the Hitmen seven six in overtime, and I just remember, you know, the the players jumping over the bench, 
or over the boards, rather. I remember one of our assistant coaches, Vince Millette, stepping onto the board boards from the bench and jumping out on the on the ice. We're all worried that he's going to break his neck. So, yeah, I've 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 been through that moment before. Uh, I don't know if my ticker would be able to handle the stress of a moment like that anymore. Uh, you know, when I was 25, that was one thing. I'm 50 now or going to be 50 this year. So um, I don't know if I'd be able to stand the uh, the stress. It's bad enough during the regular season, man. Like, I like I, I, the, the, and the play, listen, the playoffs are a different beast. And, you know, I've, I've taken it pretty hard um, when we've, when we've been uh, eliminated from the playoffs I've been, and been at home. I've sat for a long time in that booth um, before before coming out, and and that's when you know you're 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 a fan first, yeah. you know, because it, it it stings, and just as much as those sting, those wins are just magical, and like it it just it doesn't get any better than that. So so yeah, you know, I don't Hopefully like we'll I don't like dealing with 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 hypotheticals, but in this case it's something that I have experienced and it was in my very first year as a P announcer in hockey. Yeah. And, you know, I I do it again. Hopefully you will. <laughs> that's, that's all we can hope for at this point. No, uh Patty, unless you got anything else, man. I don't want to keep him like all night. We we've been blessed already. I got one last thing cuz I know he's so passionate about it. Um, Go for it. He's become a Twitter sensation. In Leafs Nation for his work with MLC Foundation, specifically with uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but au- not auctioning off the uh, the game sheets. I've got one of yours over there for uh, an awesome Matthews game use sk- stick that I have, and you were condescending to myself, my daughter Nora. Uh, can you talk about that because it's become uh, crazy on Twitter? Um, it, it it really has, and it's it's really a testament to the the support and generosity of our fans. Um, my involvement with the foundation really goes back to the start of the pandemic when, um, you know, when they first started lockdowns and there was a a family uh, that had had put out on social media that their little guy, I think he was like six years old or something. And they said he was supposed to have his birthday party. It was a Leafs theme party. And now his friends couldn't come to his birthday party. So, I just sent him a birthday greeting, announcing a goal with his name in it, and Austin and Matthew as the assists, or Austin and uh, Mitch rather as the assists, and uh, and then it just started going along. You know, that that sort of gained a little bit of traction and and got some. It got picked up in some media and stuff, but at the same time, I'm going to mention Al Murdoch again from Vancouver. Al had started doing goal calls of classic Vancouver goals and he did it you know just to, just to entertain the fans we didn't have hockey anymore we people missed it so just in order to give them a little bit of t- a, a taste of of their favorite team he started putting these things out there and I started thinking hmm what if I announced like I did for this kid um for anybody who 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 wanted to to have a goal announced, right? And and just send me the information and uh, I'm happy to do it. And it really was just about getting people through it because at that point we didn't know what we were facing, right? Like nobody knew how long these lockdowns were going to last and you know when we were going to get hockey back. 
And so I started doing some calls and then suddenly people were, were saying, Hey, this is really cool. I want to give to a charity in exchange for this. And it just seemed like a no brainer for me to say, well, MLSE Foundation and uh, MLSE Launchpad, which is a, a community center here uh, in Toronto that basically teaches kids life skills and 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 helps with uh, with school and homework, but also doing things through sports. And um, I said, if you want to make a donation to uh, to the foundation, I'd really appreciate that. And it it just started picking up. And the next thing I know. I end up doing 1,700 goal announcements wow. over over about six months and raised a bunch of money. And the goal sheets sort of spun out of that. Like these are sheets, the three stars, the starting line. These are sheets that I have and I've always had um, in the booth with me. And I put up a picture one night of the score sheet because I was running out of room because there'd been a whole bunch of goals. And then somebody said, oh, can I buy that off you? And I said, well, no, you can't buy it off me, but if you want to make a donation to the foundation, I'd be happy to send it to you. And that that was it. Like It just took off from there. And game in and game out, uh, whether we win or lose, uh, people are just amazing to me. Um and, you know, we've had some real special ones along the way, you know, the playoffs, obviously, um, Austin season last year when we had our all Swedish starting lineup on uh, Borja Salming night, uh, you know, that drew a lot more money than, uh, than a, a sheet would on a, on a regular night, but I'm just, it never ceases to blow my mind how generous our fan base is and, um, by no means am I restricting this only to people who can make a donation, um, because times are tough, man. And, oh, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy to say, no, I'm not going to feed your passion for this team because you can't make a donation. That's, that's just not how I roll. But thankfully, um, for the most part, people have been able to, to give something back in, in, in return for it. And it's it's win win. So I'm I'm happy to to give them piece of you know Leafs memorabilia, um, and and then in exchange, I'm really happy that they're willing to support such a great cause. And so we're going to keep this going as long as people are interested in doing it. So basically, all what I do is after every game, I put up a post on Twitter and on Instagram, and uh, it's a picture of the sheets. And you just have to reply to that post in order to enter the the draw. And then I, I draw three names the next day and send everybody a, a private message and send them the link to the, uh, to the foundation if they want to make a donation. And the foundation helps me now with like, they do all the mail outs for me. Um, but I, I sit here and like right here at my desk, I've got all the envelopes and the file folders and the, the yeah. uh, the address labels and everything, and I I do that uh, a couple of times a month where I sit down and I just knock them all out. Well, I call dibs on the Stanley Cup winning sheet. <laughs> I think I might call dibs on that one, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. Mike. Yeah, I don't care uh, if you photocopied or not. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. The originals, though, there there aren't um, there aren't too many of those sheets that I've kept for myself over the years. 
but yeah. I kept I kept the one from my first World Juniors when Canada we we won gold, and I got to I announced that game, and there was that game against Columbus in the bubble where we were trailing and made the massive yes. comeback and and won it in uh, in OT. I, I kept that sheet because that was just like you talk about a game where mm. as a fan, you're just going like off the walls. Yeah, that that was absolutely us bouncing off the walls uh, in in the arena. And um, that's that's a sheet that I, I kept to this day. So, yeah, there 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 could be some down the line that uh, I'm I'm happy to photocopy for people that, that I'm going to want to keep for myself, though. <laughs> we'll forgive you on that one, man. That's 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 fair play. And that's the right answer uh, for a Leafs fan. You proved yourself at the very end. <laughs> so, no, um, again, like, uh, thanks so much. I mean, we're a, we're a small time podcast. Although we did have a we had a run last year of of really good success for a win up in the top 100 hockey podcasts in North America. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a very brief stint, but it, it, we had a good run of, of streaming online. So people do like our content. They like that it's not scripted or it's just a couple of newfie guys having a bit of fun and a uh, lighthearted chat. But uh, again, thanks so much for taking the time. Come on. Uh, when you're supposed to be on your bye week resting up, uh, we really appreciate you taking time to chat with a couple of East Coast guys, a couple of Newfoundlanders, and, uh, and we're, we wish you all the best going forward, of course. Well, thank you for the invite and uh, happy to uh, to join you anytime. And uh, yeah, if you get to an in with Kitty Vitty, uh, you let me know that iceberg beer is phenomenal. Ain't it though? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, man, when you're, when you're back to the island again, next time you make sure you look us up. Absolutely. We'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll do dinner and, 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 and then liquid dinner. Sounds All good. Right. All you right, bet. All right, guys, if you enjoyed what you're hearing here tonight, uh, of course, you can catch us on uh, on all your streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all of the above. Uh, we also stream on uh, on YouTube as well. It's a pre-recorded broadcast, and you can Google it up on uh, on YouTube, Deke Snipe Selly on YouTube, or you can catch us on Facebook. That's where all of our content is, www.facebook.com slash Deke Snipe Selly. So again, uh, big thanks to our sponsor, the Delaney Hockey Program. Uh, they've been uh, they've been teaching kids the, the ways of the game now for five plus years. And just so everyone knows, their registration is out for all their summer camps coming up. They've got some great stuff with some celebrities coming in to, uh, to visit the kids as well this year. So again, check that out if you get an opportunity. Thanks so much to Mike Ross and again to my, my partner in crime here, Patty Phillips. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Thanks so much, guys.